George, as always, I'd like to ask you a question. Of course. You do a podcast with your best friend, but he doesn't know that you love him? <laughs> oh, God. Um, maybe. I don't know. I'll leave that what one. What do you say to that? You ask a question <laughs> every week, <laughs> but none of them make sense. They're not even questions, Kilroy. Just because you raise the inflection <laughs> at the end, it doesn't make them questions. The statements. That is good to start the show with a reference to a program that's not been on air for thirteen years. Yeah, that's the way we do things here at Crass with Paul Austin and George Walsh. The show that's been best described as very, very niche. <laughs> He's spending over £2,000 a month on prostitutes. Right, George. Yes. Uh, last week, I had to leave early. You did, yes. I'm, I'm very keen to learn where you went and what you got up to. Well. Because if I recall, it was the Lonely Hearts Club themselves mm -hmm. who got in touch. Yeah. I got this text uh, off Ryan, I found out, uh, basically saying, get in now, urgent meeting of the Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah. So I rush out of the podcast recording. Obviously, you've got to wrap it up on your own, which I think you, you did a wonderful job of it, by the way, darling. You did a wonderful job of it. Okay. So, darling, I'm just I'm trying to be a bit more like a lovey. I thought that might be a good look for me. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need—an image change for an audio series. That's yeah, good. I think that's it. I think I think it works. Anyway, so I get halfway down the road and I realise the fucking idiot hasn't told me where we're meeting. So I give him a ring, <laughs> and he just says, "The usual place." And by that, he means Shakeaway. You ever been to Shakeaway, George? <laughs> Never. No. But it's it's great. interesting, though, that you're the wisest and brightest member of the Lonely Hearts Club. <laughs> well, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's great. They, they do all these kind of milkshakes. They do all kinds of milkshakes these days. Uh, I had one with a yep. muffin in it the other day. It blew me away. Anyway, so I get in there, and the whole gang are sitting at the table in the window. Ryan, Jimmy Gibbon, and Barry Adams. I grab myself yeah. a Colin, which is like a curly-whirly with malt and Maltesers on the top, and I join the Lonely Hearts Club. Jesus. Uh, I'm feeling quite good, actually. I'm feeling pretty good. I've got my Colin. I'm excited to tell them all about myself and Dampson. Life is good. Nobody yeah. says anything for a while. Ryan's just sort of scratching his ass. Jimmy's looking all depressed, and Barry's got four envelopes tucked under his arm. I say, guys, what is all this about? Ryan says, yeah. we've had a tip-off. I say, well then, you better get to A&E. Just sort of uh, thought I'd break the ice a bit and <laughs> uh, make him laugh, you know. Yeah. Nobody laughs. Barry says, the woman from White Rose has a boyfriend. Jimmy bursts into tears. And Ryan starts getting a bit of a cry on as well. Yeah. Uh, it's at this point that I decide that it's probably not a good idea to tell them about my new relationship status. Do you know what I mean? No, it's probably good to keep that shtum. So I say, what? Which bastard is dating Dampson? Barry says, who? And I go, oh, sorry, I meant the woman from Waitrose. I nearly slipped up there. You've <laughs> sort of let them know that you know more about her than they do. But they're not the wisest bunch. <laughs> well, they're not. Because uh, Barry kind of gives me this look. 
like, I know what you're pulling here, mate. But it turned out he was just kind of looking at this homeless guy behind me feeding some pigeons. So I've, I'm, I've, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm safe for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ryan says, I think it's time we took the Lonely Hearts Club seriously. And he bangs on the desk. Yeah. Just to show he's serious. And to be honest, George, I was kind of, I was quite keen on the idea of the Lonely Hearts Club before last week, before, like... But kind of since getting together with Dampson, I'm really not that fussed by it. Yeah. I think it seems a bit childish. I like that it's taken you a month to get to that point. So I kind of feign enthusiasm and I say, yeah, great, sounds like a riot, let's do it. Barry kind of nods and he takes the envelopes out from under his arm. I've got to say, I'm kind of curious by this point. Yeah. Uh, and when Barry hands me an envelope, I instantly rip it open. What do you reckon it is, George? In the envelopes. I wouldn't know where to begin, guessing. Uh, I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you then. It's a Lonely Hearts Club members package, which kind of sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? But it's it's, it's all kosher, George. First thing I pull out is a lanyard, right, with a bit of shitty paper tape to the end. And I ask, what is this, Barry? What's, what's this? Yeah. He says, this your membership card, mate. I take a closer look and it says, member, Paul Samuel Austin. Age, 19. Thing is, George, I'm 23. Yeah. Got my bloody age wrong. Mm-hmm. Can't believe it. Anyway, carry on with the membership card. I'm looking at it now. Special skills, nice arse. Well, I mean, <laughs> they've got that bit right, at least. And finally, George, mm-hmm. right, there's a picture of me. Yes. That Barry's obviously drawn mm-hmm. and stuck to this crap bit of paper. I've actually had it blown up, just so you can see it, right? Does this look like me? <laughs> Not really, no. As, as cruel as I'd like to be, it doesn't look like Look me. at that! It's got it's a rat, totally round pie-like head with big weird lips and like this weird nose and tiny little tiny little weasel eyes. Yes. And like radar obviously the audience can't see that. No. But anyway, so I'm pretty miffed to be honest. Understandably. Uh I don't I, to be honest, I don't bother putting this out to Barry because it's not worth the hassle. I'm so I'm just about to make me excuses and get the hell out of there when Jimmy looks up and he starts to speak. From this day forward, the one true goal of the Lonely Arts Club will be to win back the woman from Waitrose and kill the bastard who currently has her heart. Oh, no. I'm, well, I'm fucked, George, aren't I? Yeah. What am I going to do? What shall I do? I wouldn't have hung around with these guys for this long, to tell you the truth. Because they always seemed a bit unhinged. Yeah, but put your put your put your put yourself in my Why shoes do I have to for once. You keep making mistakes in those shoes. Why have I then got to put them on and 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 try and? You know, I'm just asking for help. your advice. You don't have what? to. Give yeah, it. but why have you chosen me to? Well, I mean, because we do the podcast together, obviously. But I mean, I don't know what I can offer. I'd get out of there, run away with her to Saint Ives or somewhere. I don't know. Oh no. Hey, that's not a bad idea. And don't bring it up every week. Where they could just listen to this. They could they could be on to you for Don't think any of them. this. What if Damson listens to this? Well, she'll know that you're called Paul, won't she? No. Yeah, she's not going to search Chester Barnes podcast. If she searches Chester Barnes podcast, she's not going to come up with, with anything. Good, I'm safe there. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to know what the other special skills were? Go on. Barry, strong jawline, obviously. Jimmy, good listener. Obviously, these are all related to like how they would be in a relationship. Yes. So, good listener. Ryan. Dad has big telly. I mean, that's kind of, you know, you can't really put much else. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit that's weak, it for Lonely it? Hearts Club this week. That's it. Not much to say. Me yeah. and Dampson have been flirting on Snapchat a bit. It's all going kind of well, you, kind um, of taking it a bit slow. 
And what name do you use on Snapchat? Chest, well, Chester Barnes, obviously. You've got your bases covered then, at least. These violent women, what's their problem? <laughs> right. Right, so now is roughly the time where I ask you to tell me what you've been watching this week. Brilliant, OK. Twin Peaks, I watched the new Twin Peaks. Is it any good? Yeah, it's, yeah, it was great. I really liked it. Um, what else have I been watching? Bo, Bojack Horseman, I've watched. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, George, uh, it's mostly been Kilroy. Yes, I've mostly been watching Kilroy. Uh, I think it's actually... It's kind of invaded my brain mm. to a point where I actually can't remember what happens in any of the episodes. Yeah. All I've got is a kind of constant Kilroy voice in my brain. And his big orange face. So every time I... I go in. I go in. I'll go into the kitchen, and I'll go. I'll. I'll. I'll want. I'll want some cereal. So, instead of thinking that I want some cereal, I'll think. So you want some cereal, but you haven't got any milk, and it'll just come out in my brain like it's like a constant thing. Yeah. It's like a disease. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell me what you've been watching this week? Uh, Kilroy as well. Yeah, I've been doing as much studying. Of Kilroy as possible, which means watching, what? you know, 1992 episodes of his show where they're discussing yeah. student loans or whatever. Well, well, yeah, uh, naturally. To his appearances on Question Time. So you're going on a on a you're on a proper Kilroy marathon. It's a Kilroy binge. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's he was on Question Time to try and distance himself from the remarks that he made that led to him losing his show, which were deemed by many to be racist because they were racist. And so he goes on question time to try and say, oh, no, I'm not racist. Yeah. But, which, of course, never but, goes well. But uh, I was reading up on, on Kilroy, actually, so not strictly what I saw on telly, but I've got mm-hmm. a sort of way around it. Uh, I do believe that uh, the person after whom this feature is named, the chocolate-voiced slaphead sex machine, Telly Savalas, he was an avid reader, apparently. So mm-hmm. I Who can, goes there, sweetheart? I can That's what he says. To, to reading. Um, yeah, Kilroy was a Labour MP in the 70s, quit <laughs> to become a chat show host, got sacked for race, yeah. racial remarks in a newspaper column, mm-hmm. became an MEP for UKIP, then quit UKIP to form his own party. Yeah. And this is where it gets magical. <laughs> what do you think he called his party? <laughs> You've got immigrants living next door. And they won't take the bins out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, George. It's, it's, it's the most absurd, I think, name for any political party. Even more so than the monster raving loonies. Please, don't keep me in suspense. He named his party Veritas. <laughs> which is the Latin word for truth. It gets just a little bit better. Oh, God. He, was, he formed Veritas in... I believe it was February 2005. Mm-hmm. And having failed to secure any seats in the election, uh, quit as member, uh, sorry, quit as leader in June 2005. Right. So he led his own political party for about five months. <laughs> <laughs> He's a successful politician, Kilroy. So you formed a party. But you don't want to be the leader anymore? (laughs) 
Veritas uh, continued for several years without uh, Kilroy's leadership before eventually joining an extreme far-right-wing party. Oh, my God. So, yes, that's what happened. You go out three times a week. You get blind drunk. You have casual sex and you get into fights. But you're a girl. So he's, <laughs> we don't hear from Kilroy much anymore, do you? You don't. Probably for the best. You fall out of the limelight. And yet you're remembered by losers on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're surrounded by your family and friends. And you're lonely. <laughs> so, um, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, I mm -hmm. came up with what I described would be only occasional feature called Consumer mm -hmm. Corner. Ooh. And it was, it was at the time, me basically ripping off some money-saving tips from uh, the money-saving expert himself, Martin Lewis. Yeah, from Holmes and the Hammer. No, not that one. The the other guy called oh. Martin is on the telly. That one's Martin right. Roberts. Of course. Yeah, um, sorry. I don't watch telly. Yeah, or at least you don't watch ITV. No. I, you can't be blamed for, to be honest. But it's no. different. It's a different sort of consumer corner because I'm not giving you money-saving oh. tips this week. So this one isn't useful in any way? No, not really. Oh, uh, yeah. It's more of a complaint, to be honest, than anything else. More in keeping with the tone of the podcast. Yeah, a moaning, shambolic ramble is probably the Brilliant. best way to sum it up. It's a different sort because it deals with consumer rights. Oh. And Martin Lewis was my shopping Sherpa as I uh, experienced a problem that I had to deal with. Okay, so please, please tell us your story, George. Well, I don't want to sort of be too specific in the naming and shaming department, which, okay. I mean, Reasonable. I have every right to be, really. I'm angry and um, well, have yeah. been treated unfairly, but I kind of, I don't particularly want to, you know, name and shame. I, I just won't shop there anymore. Is it, it curries? It's not curries, no. The fact that you've Is mentioned it... curries now... <laughs> Will cause all sorts of problems now. <laughs> it's not curries. We, we, we know. I know. No. It's, I know it's not curries because uh, you refuse to shop there. Well, I refuse to shop in curries. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. So, the item I bought is it Ryman's? Is it Ryman's? It's not Ryman's. No. Oh, okay. We'll move on then. Right. Okay. Can I? Sorry, uh... I keep interrupting your story. Yes. So, I mean, it's consumer corner. You know. We... Sorry. Sorry. No. Carry on. Carry on. So, the item I bought was mm -hmm. a Minox B spy camera. Okay, let me just write this down. It's the sort of camera used by George Lazenby in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. So Possibly the best Bond imagine. film, if it weren't for Goldfinger. And also a film that stars Telly Savalas. So it was this sort of vintage store, is probably the best way to describe it, where it has a sort of selection mm -hmm. of old clothes, old jackets from the 60s and so on and so forth, and old technology, so like... You know, the rotary dial phones and yeah. typewriters, cameras, uh, vinyl records. It's a great shop from... Like a tap shop, basically. Yeah, it's sort of shop that sells tap. Right up my alley. Yeah. And so I noticed they had this James Bond spy camera. So I, And I also noticed the price was quite good. Ooh, okay. So I thought it's a bargain. And so I went in and I said, does it work? Is it functional? He went, yes. They tried it. Oh, oh yeah, that's it. It's fine. Because if, if they don't work, we label them as such. Okay. Like told. Is that important information? It is important information. Okay, I'll remember that then. I'll write that down. So I get home and it seems to be working fine. And then I get up the manual, which someone's put online, and I notice it doesn't mm. work properly. It's got oh. some flaws. Right. So I'm sort of, to be perfectly honest with you, I've, I've 
I don't know if it was a sort of dodgy lunch that I'd had as well, but I was feeling quite uh, sick, quite ill. I, I was see, sort of yeah. panicking, stressed, and I might have had a dodgy lunch. So I was really, I'd worked myself up into quite a rough state, you know, didn't feel very well. The lemsips did nothing. No. And the next morning I felt worse, to be honest. Oh, okay. But I thought, I'd done some reading up on what my consumer rights were, because I was worried it's from a second-hand shop. <laughs> So I'm bollocksed. Yeah. You know, I can't take oh, this well, back. Yes, you would You would think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. But I read into it, according to Martin Lewis and according to the law of the land, I'm not bollocksed. It's fine. I can, oh, I brilliant. can just well, take it back, it then. No problem. get the money back. It's fine. No issues. End of the story. Brilliant. But I'm, I'm well, still nervous good, because I look, oh, okay. to be honest, I look wet behind the ears, don't I? I look like I don't know what I'm... You know, I look like yes. someone who could be fleeced. Yeah, yes. So I yes. thought... Well, I'm still a bit anxious about it, but the law's on my side. So I go into the mm-hmm. shop, and I'm sort of there's someone in there trying to sell an old stereo. Right. So I'm sort of waiting around for quite a bit, walking back and forth, which doesn't make me feel any better. About half an hour I was waiting around before this guy sells his speakers. I go in the shop, and I say, I bought this on Friday, and I've looked into it, and it doesn't work properly. Uh, could I return mm-hmm. it for a refund? Do you want to know what he said? What did he say, George? It's not a hard thing to guess. He went, no, can't have one, sorry. <laughs> I said, well, no. Oh. Well, well, no, 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 I can have one because by law I'm entitled <laughs> to one. It's covered. It doesn't work. I'm not satisfied. Well, what's wrong with yep. it then? Go on, what's wrong with it? <laughs> so I hand it over to him. I tell him what the three faults are. Um, it has a shutter speed dial that doesn't work. It has a light yep. meter that doesn't work. And does uh-huh. and the shutter doesn't work properly as well as the dial. Uh, oh. So it's three important problems. Well, yeah, fairly important things within a camera that you need, yes. you know. Well, he took one look at it and he fiddled about with a couple of things and he somehow managed to get two of the things to work. I don't know how oh, he did well, it. Well, that's pretty impressive. But he got two of the functions to work. But there was still one fault with it. And I'm thinking, yeah, it works now. Obviously, yeah. But it might not work when I get home or it might not work in a week. Or, True, you know. but I mean, you've got to take that risk any time. Well, yes, but if it worked to begin with, oh, okay, surely, true. you know, that's fine. Also, I've got about 30 days to take it back. Do you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. But I, yeah thought, okay. I thought I'll do the right thing and try and take it back as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So he says it works now. So, no, you're not having a refund. Why? What's wrong with you? Why don't you want it back? Works. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Did he actually say what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I, I, so I explained, well, yes, but it might be temperamental. It might stop working again. And one of the things still doesn't work. And I'm allowed a refund yeah. even if I just don't want it anymore by law. Uh, well, I don't have there to have you a, go. I don't have to have a reason. I can just bring it back. If, if you think it works, why don't you take it back off me, give me my money back and sell it to someone else? You've got a good point, George. Wouldn't have it. Wouldn't have it. No. I was in this shop for two hours, going round <laughs> the fucking houses over and over and over again. <laughs> two hours. Two hours. I felt that Ill, is an unbelievable amount of Dry time. mouth, headache, nausea, all the rest of it. And I know that I'm entitled to my money back. But no, you're not getting anything. No, no, you're not getting anything. <laughs> It's just two hours. Two hours. Oh, I would have told. I would totally have given up by then. I'd have written off as a bad job. I'd have gone. Ah, oh, fuck this. 
I believe it, it. It cost me a fair amount of money. Okay. I, I, you know, and it doesn't. I'm not happy. With, I don't want it anymore. So after about 35 minutes, he says, "Right, I'll offer you a bit of a refund then. I'll give you." And then he said the amount, and the amount that he said was um, 25 quid less than what I'd pay for it. Uh, and he still takes the camera back. Right, so it's and like a rent. You've rented a broken camera, basically. Yeah, basically, for twenty five <laughs> quid. And I said, "Well, no, I'm entitled to the whole lot." <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. You say it's fine, so you sell it again. All this, it's the same points over and over again. It was absolutely ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. at one point, he said, "Well, how about I give you twenty five quid and you keep the camera?" <laughs> and I was just thinking, well, no, it doesn't doesn't work i don't you know 25 quid in a broken camera yeah that sounds like a good deal to me george well you know i didn't think so about an hour into this and i i at this point i was loud now i was in the shop and oh. people looking around at stuff and thinking oh oh shall i buy this shall i buy that and me saying quite loudly so i bought something from you and you don't have the decency to give me a refund <laughs> do you? it's absolutely disgusting i'm entitled to it and you you're trying to palm me off with some broken tat now. And, all, and people were leaving the shop. It was great. People were sort of going, God, I'm not buying anything That here. does sound great. At several points, by the way, he'd said, right, well, you're not having anything now because you've argued with me. So <laughs> like, give your dad. Yeah. I'll give, you, I'll give you a bit of money. No, I want all the money. You're not having anything now. Like that. So it's just absolutely absurd. So he said, right, well, I'm, go- I'm going for a coffee, right? I'm going for a coffee. You'll have to get out of the shop for a minute. I'm going for- Right, fine. And so I leave the <laughs> shop. I stand just outside. He puts up a board, you know, in front of the door. Dickhead wants refund. I've gone for a coffee. Yeah. Well, this is it. As he'd done all that, and I stood there waiting fairly patiently. Ca- I had the camera in my hand. I'm not leaving it in the shop. You know, I'm not no, obviously not. So I'm standing there. And as he walks past me, he goes, oh, do you want anything from the coffee shop? As he passes me, oh, do you want a coffee? No, no, I don't want. I want a refund. You know, I want my Waldorf salad. Do you know what I mean? That's how I felt. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. And that's on that. That is only fifteen minutes of a half-hour episode on TV. Oh this was two hours of oh just I want this refund. You can't have the refund, but why? Not? Then at one point, when he got back from his coffee, he found a camera magazine from 1966, which had an advertisement for the very camera that I'd purchased, and right. he pointed at the price. And the price was about the same as what he was offering me as a refund, right? Right. And he said... Obviously, though. He said, that in today's money would be two grand, which is bollocks. I think he's made that up total. I don't think he's got any idea what inflation no. would be. He pointed out, he said, that'd be two grand in today's money. The value of the camera hasn't gone with inflation, has it? <laughs> that amount of money might be worth more today, but the camera's not. It's... <laughs> And I said, you're offering me a 1960s refund for a 2017 (laughs) price. That's what you're doing. You said, well, again, well, you're not having anything now. You've it. (laughs) And it went on on and on and on. Genuinely, it was absurd. His arguments varied from, well, it's a collector's piece. No one expects this to actually work as a camera. Well, I did. I thought, you know, I thought (laughs) it will work. People on eBay are yep. selling ones that work. So, you know, of course I expected it to work. Yes, it's yep. a collector's piece, but but you can't just say that. 
as if it's fine for it for me to flog you broken shit <laughs> because it's a collector's piece. Well, it is old bollocks. though, George. You know. Yeah, but I've got a box brownie there from the thirties that works. You know. <laughs> he, at one point, I said the law is on my side. He said, "Well, bring them here." <laughs> So I'm not going to turn up with two coppers, am I, to argue over a, a pathetic so, did dispute you, Did like you this. at any point consider it? I was close. <laughs> he said, the law stops at my front door. It's a second-hand shop. It doesn't count. I said, well, it does count. Right. Look, I'm not just being one of these idiots who goes into a shop and tries it on and says, I know my rights. I've actually read into it. <laughs> I am covered by my consumer rights in this case. At one point, he said, you weren't actually going to use it, were you? It is a collector's piece. <laughs> I said, I was going to use it, yes. And he went, what could you possibly use it for? It's a mini camera. The pictures would be shit. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's something I would want to use at least once to try it out. To pretend you know. to be James Bond. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's you know if it's crap. It's, it's an experience, yeah. isn't it? The worst part was when he described a partial refund as a learning curve. So he upped his he upped his refund from twenty five quid less yeah. what I paid for it to fifteen quid less what I paid for it. Yeah. He said, and that can be a nice little fifteen pound learning curve for you. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god! But he just sort of still wouldn't have it. He said, if I was in, you wouldn't have bought that camera, would you? And I went, no, because you'd have explained what was wrong with it. He went, right. Yeah. I said, but you weren't here. And then he That's said, true. I was at a funeral. <laughs> And I thought, well, oh, right, I'm sorry, I don't want a refund anymore. Do you know what I mean? No, it's not none of it. I don't think any of this is your fault, no. really. One of his mates turned up and witnessed <laughs> what was going on. And he just looked at me and he went, if I give you a tenner, will you be all right? <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck? So the bloke behind the stall was still offering me 15 quid below and his mate had thrown in a tenner as well. I'm losing out on five pounds here, but it's two. It's been two hours. Your partner keeps trying to get you out of your clothes because he hates them. George. Yes. Here's a question. Mm -hmm. Have you ever? You've had an interesting life. Would you say? Would you say you've had an interesting life? Yeah. It's had interesting oh, well. bits, I suppose. Have you ever considered writing your memoirs? Uh, no. No, okay. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm kind of working on my autobiography at the moment. Mm -hmm. And what I thought I'd do is I thought I'd just uh, read you a chapter. Yes. Because um, obviously I've got me Lonely Hearts. Uh, this is kind of relevant. Because uh, it's, it's kind of... The, my book is called Paul Austin, Life Lessons from an Expert. Okay? Uh, and this is chapter 34. Uh, my first sexual time and the many times that followed. As a boy, I was perfectly happy to spend the evenings running up and down the street, wearing a flat cap and pretending to be Stephen Mulhern, or playing with my faithful dog, Hawtrey. Footnote. In 2001, Hawtrey was hit by a car and murdered by a right dickhead of a veterinary surgeon. His name was Jeremy Smith, and I'm not afraid to name and shame him in these pages, stroke this podcast. However, at a certain point in my growth into grown-up, maybe about 2002, I don't know, I started noticing the flesh and bodies of women around me. The arse and tits, as I would have called them back then, of women became suddenly fascinating, and I wanted to put them in my mouth in a way that was entirely unlike the suckling for nourishment I had done just six years ago when I was a baby. Interestingly, 
Though I was aware that the faces of my girl peers were pretty enough, I was far more interested in the women peers around me. My year 5 teacher, Mrs Borbin, for example, who, as I recall, had a very nice... Whilst the lead tenor in the school choir, I took a fancy to Miss White, who instilled in me a great fondness for Yaz and the plastic population. The head teacher, Mrs Hood, was also a real cracker of a girl, despite the fact she was well into her 70s. Despite my hinting, I never saw any of these women naked, or even in bra and in pant. Footnote. Please keep in mind that I'm semi-writing this from the perspective of my primary school mind when I was a sexist. I most definitely would not want to see the naked bodies of my teachers today. For lessons in sex, I would look to my closest friend and primary school colleague, Denzel. Den told me he had slept with nine women, one for each year he'd been alive. I have absolutely no reason to doubt him, and so I'm not going to. He pointed out that I was unlikely to marry a teacher, and I should try to woo women that were my age. The woman in question was a ten-year-old named Tina, I think. She had brown hair, probably, and was into S-Club, definitely. I've personally been apathetic to the club ever since Don't Stop Moving, which was derivative. <laughs> Tina was the first person to let me hold her hand, and I could still feel her frankly clammy palm in mine until 2011, when my hand was accidentally shut in a door. I didn't end up kissing Tina because her mother had a breakdown and they had to move to Holland for some reason. My evolution into full-blown sex man was during high school, where I once had an actual girlfriend for six weeks. She was called Kelly Brookside, and her hair was also brown. A theme, perhaps? We held hands, kissed twice, and I once brushed her breast with my forearm in a brilliant move that looked accidental, but was actually very carefully orchestrated. We split up because she hated me. I also gripped the buttock of Jennifer Weehan in a drunken, we were drunk on youth, we had no access to real alcohol, dare game, in which I was dared to grip Jennifer's buttock. She bent over and the rest is history. This memory is so vivid in my brain that little Paul, my penis, is starting to take on a property typically associated with the metal, brass, its hardness. Oh, God. Just from thinking about her ass meat. <laughs> in college, I had very little time for sex, not because I was busy working, but because I spent the majority of my time being sick. I had meningitis in the first year, that was a real ball ache actually, angina for the first half of second year, followed by a bout of glandular fever. And in the third year, I just couldn't be bothered to go in. I still pass, though, in your filthy fucking face, Mr. French. When I moved away from home and started attending and living within the hallowed halls of Manchester Metropolitan University, of course, I didn't actually live within the university, I lived in a hostel three miles away, I resolved that I would meet and shag a woman. Lo and behold, just three years later, I did in fact have full penetrative sex with a lady person. Her name escapes me, but she did have a very nicely decorated living room. Her grandparents, Sue and Ian, were very attentive to my needs. Sue made a mean pot of herbal tea, and Ian's collection of crystal bird statues was fascinating. I still send them letters every now and then. I also had a very saucy encounter in a club once. The club was called Barons, and the music was pumping. I was reluctant to join the dance floor at first, but when my friend Clifford gave me one of his pills, you couldn't get me off. Black-haired girl called Zed did actually try to get me off, but she soon realised that I was unable to maintain an erection, even with three of her fingers up my arse. I went back to her place, ready for a bit of roughy, but for some reason I couldn't stop crying. She called me a taxi, I went home and had a tug. That's just sex, of course. In the years since high school, I'd become adept at attracting women and men from all walks of life. It is with my confidence, my physical appearance, and most of all, my great good wit that I've managed to do this. Also, I once tossed off a male friend. There are no attractive women in the Midlands, except my mum, of course. She'd be livid if I don't put that. But I live in hope that I'll find some sort of attractive woman hive, and I will kiss every one of them. 
Who knows what the future holds for me and little Paul? Ideally, I'd meet a beautiful girl tomorrow with long orange hair and massive hooters, and we'd get married and have three babies. I'm not fussy, though. I'd be happy with any hair colour. <laughs> Footnote. I've met a girl called Dampson, and she's cracking. Nice hooters, big hair. Classy. So what do you think? Do you think, that's a good, do you think this is good? I think that's horrible. In every conceivable way. It's my autobiography of my life. And it's pretty bleak. What do you mean it's horrible? It's just horrible, nasty, misogynist wander through your psyche, which, quite frankly, I would have been happier without. It's unpleasant. It makes me want to bathe in Clorox, having heard it. I can't imagine anyone would want to read this. Who are you writing a memoir? Who's interested? What have you What have you done? I did this podcast. Yeah, but I'm not writing a fucking memoir, am I? I'm not, you know. Well, that's your opinion, isn't it? Really? I... Anyway, it's coming out in the summer, uh, next summer, uh, on Kindle. Uh, just Kindle. I don't think I'm going to get it physically printed. But, you know, it's better than I one ninety nine maybe sell it for. Yeah. If you want, if you're interested in a copy, I mean, if you let me know, if you email the podcast, crasspodcast at gmail .com, I'll probably be able to send you a couple extra chapters if you want. No one wants a copy. This is no one would buy this. You expect to be paid for caring for your elderly relatives. That's the podcast. Oh, is that it? Now we ended on that low. <laughs> <laughs> unless you've got something else. Unless you've got something else. Well, I had a story about. Being in an ambulance on uh, Pride Weekend, oh. but I've not not got time for that now. So, no, go on. No, no, no tell no, me. No, 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 the clock's ticking. <laughs> Are you actually going to save it for another time, or do you want to tell it? You know. <laughs> All right, fine. Right, fine. Very quick. It's not a very long story. A friend of mine okay. was out on the piss. Hang on, hang on. You got you got to sort of do a lead up if you're going to cut it out, <laughs> or use it and use it somewhere else. We've got to do a lead up. You were charged with the attempted murder of your father? George, it was um, Pride Weekend in Manchester not yes, too long ago. Yes, because I saw you in person for the first time in about... You did! I came up! Months. I came to visit! I watched uh, the march. <laughs> hey! Older gays! Um, but I didn't see you uh, anywhere near the march. What were you no. up to? Well, what, on that day or uh, over the weekend? Just over that weekend. Just over that weekend. OK. Well, a friend of mine had been... Basically caning it all through the Pride weekend. Right, from okay. The earliest point on Friday right through to sort of Monday morning. As you do. Yes. But to go back a, a day, on okay. Sunday evening... So th mm -hmm. I, I don't know much about Pride, but I, I assume things are possibly starting to wind down a little bit around that point. Kind of, the yeah. I don't think it ever winds down, but you know what I mean? It's sort of... I do know what you mean. The peak is sort of Saturday, isn't it, I think? Peak Saturday, yeah. and then Monday you've got the... Um, Hangover. Uh, well, the vigil. Oh, good yeah. But, uh, yeah, Sunday's a bit of a quieter day. But Sunday... So Sunday evening, I get a, a text off my friend saying, I'm going out, but do you fancy meeting for a quick drink before I go off to the village mm -hmm. so i said yeah great and then you know i head to town and i meet him and he is incredibly drunk at this point right and <laughs> he told me that he had had four triple gin and tonics before leaving the house to meet me <laughs> oh my god so you can right. you can picture the scene i'm sure yeah so we're in we're in a bar and 
he says, I'll order us some drinks. I'll order us some drinks. And he comes back with these sort of brownie red looking cocktails, uh, but not in a good way, in a sort of raw oh. sewage kind of way. Oh, lovely. I take a sip and it does taste like bleach. Oh. Or what I'd imagine right. bleach would taste like, you know, sort of. Okay. It tasted like vaguely fruity bleach is probably the best way yes. to put it. And so I had about a sip. And I thought, oh, God. And he said, oh, do you not like it? I was like, no. I said, go on, you have it. So he necked his and then he necked mine. So that's four triple gin and tonics and two yeah. martini type cocktail things. <laughs> yeah. And so let's go to another bar. And he's sort of staggering about. He's oh, sort of my God. Hurling a few insults at people just passing by. <laughs> oh no! I'm I'm sober as a judge because I've had a sip of this absolutely <clears throat> disgusting drink. You've had a thing. sip of bleach. Yeah. So I'm I'm perfectly fine. We go into another bar, and he orders himself a dirty martini, and I order a <clears throat> some other cocktail, but one that I know I like. I can't remember. Yeah. What I ordered. And he had a couple of sips of it and said, "I just need to go outside." for some air because I'm going to be sick. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. So I'm sitting there and about five minutes passes and I'm <laughs> oh, looking at my watch and all that. But I, I continue. I finish my drink and he's still not come back. Oh. So I potted out the front door. No one there at all. And God. I'm thinking, well, I've got... It's, it's Sunday. The buses are shit. I've got yeah. very little time you know, for the last bus, I've got to get a move on. Where is it? Oh, God. I could assume he's gone off, or should I look for him? I couldn't decide. And I, I thought, well, let's just have... I, I did the lazy thing. I thought, I'll just look in this alleyway here, and if, <laughs> if he's not there, then I'll go. Yeah. And he, he, was, he was in that alleyway. Oh, well, good. Well, good. <laughs> he was lying on the floor, um. and um, I sort of go over, and he's sort of just slurring all of his words, and he says, I, yeah. I can't stand up. Uh, can you get me an ambulance? Oh my god! So I had to, I had to ring an ambulance for him. I had to wait with him for about an hour because it wasn't <laughs> urgent. It wasn't urgent. It's some pissed up idiot. No. You know, it's not someone yeah. having a heart attack or someone who can't breathe or whatever. He's fine. Yeah. He's just drunk and can't stand up. And eventually, an ambulance turns up. He gets in the back, and you know they do all these tests, blood tests. Yeah. He called the paramedics fucking twats when they pulled the. Um, <laughs> When oh, they pulled no. out half of his chest hair with the pulse <laughs> pads. <laughs> oh, and no. he was so, he'd sobered up quite a bit in the time he was in this ambulance. So oh, by the time the ambulance God. drove off, he just turned to me and went, right, I'm uh, going to the village, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, my God. You're 48 and you're having one-night stands... So you've done a podcast, it's run quite long, and now you've got to end it. Well, that's it. Cheers, George. Um, Thank you. Where can, I find, where can the listeners find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter, at George Walsh. I'm also on Twitter, at Bumbledoon. That's Bumble, D-O-O-N. And also, the podcast is on Twitter. Uh, what's, the, what's the Twitter one? At The Crass Podcast. Oh, cheers, George. Uh, and you can also send us emails... Uh, Crasspodcast at gmail.com. All right, well, cheers. Thank Ta-ra, you. George. See ya. Uh, have a good one. And you. See ya. Bye. 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 Take care of yourselves. Thank you.